Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Kabaza, and for today, we do get into, you know, quite an interesting conversation about what it means uh, to cohabitate. Um, I think one of the definitions that's there is that, uh, you know, if you are romantically involved with a particular individual and you are living with them, then you are thought, um, you know, to be cohabitating. Uh, but for today, we're going to be talking about some amendments um, that are likely to come down the line and what all of that stuff, uh, you know, might mean for inheritance for being seen as actually you know in some sense actually being seen um as a legal spouse and all of these things um you know for today because i think when it comes to you know the world of consumer economics um the life partnerships and uh, the person that uh, one uh, decides to be in a long-term relationship with um you know plays a big part in a lot of business decisions that are made you know down the line and for today we are going to be talking to David Thompson, who is a senior legal advisor over at uh, Sunlum Trust. And interestingly enough, um, it was around uh, this time last year um, that we spoke to him about uh, uh, the implications of uh, the recognition of customary marriages uh, amendment bill, which was another set of amendments uh, that was uh, set to come uh, to the world of customary marriages. That was very fascinating, um, you know, discussion just around all of the issues uh, you know that they're dealing with but for today we are switching over to the world um, of cohabitating so really looking forward to this discussion so david uh, one year later greetings to you Hello, Nice to be with you. Um, I think um, just for uh, the sake of uh, people that, uh, you know, don't fully understand, uh, when we talk about Sunlam Trust, um, that particular business unit, because Sunlam is, um, you know, one of the biggest insurance companies, you know, in South Africa and um, on the African continent uh, with a number of different um, areas of expertise. So before we get into the um, topic around cohabitating, maybe you could give us uh, just some brief insight into the Sunlam Trust unit. Thank you, Madiwa. Yes, Sunlam Trust is a company within the Sunlam a group of companies, part of the listed entity. And Sunlam Trust focuses on drafting wills, winding up deceased estates, managing testamentary and inter vivos trusts, and also manages beneficiary funds and umbrella funds for widows and orphans and, and minor children and the like. Okay, cool. So getting into the discussion for today, um, I was reading something that, uh, you know, you recently wrote just around the fact that even if you are unmarried, you could soon be seen um, as a spouse, quote unquote, in the eyes of the law, because there are two acts um, that are set for amendment in the next 18 or so months uh, that would uh, seek to extend the definition of what a spouse means uh, to include um, all life partnerships. And especially in the world where um, people are people aren't uh, going the traditional uh, route when it comes to life partnerships maybe you could give us um, where we currently are and uh, maybe some insight into where we could go um, when it comes to this issue of life partnerships cohabitating um, and all of that yes Madhira, where we currently are is that persons may be married in terms of 
the Marriage Act, the civil marriage. Uh, Same-sex couples may marry in terms of the Civil Union Act. And folks may also marry in terms of customary law and in terms of religious law. And if they conform to those traditions and rules, then they are regarded as as married, and certain obligations flow from those, including the rights to inherit and to receive maintenance from that person's estate should they pass away. But at the moment, if you cohabit and you are in a heterosexual relationship, you don't have those rights. The the rights for people in a same-sex relationship were some uh, years ago uh, endorsed by the Constitutional Court. But at this stage, for persons in heterosexual relationships living together, no matter how long they might be living together, they are not regarded as married at all. Uh, perhaps we could just define a couple of things as well uh, whilst we're at this point, uh, because I do understand that um, when we look at things um, in the eyes of the law, um, the way that um, you know specific words are defined is very important in how um, legislation is therefore interpreted and applied. So when we say cohabitating uh, or cohabiting, when does that actually happen? Um, you know, at what point does you know someone say that um you know you know cohabiting? If I have a a girlfriend, a long term partner. Uh, for example, if she comes and, you know, stays with me every weekend, are we cohabiting? Um, if she stays with me all the time, is she cohabiting? Um, if she has maybe a bunch of clothes at my house but still keeps her place, are we cohabiting? How How is that defined? You know, uh, at this stage, uh, a lot of these factors will have to be dealt with as, as the legislation is fleshed out. But the court, the constitutional court in the Jane Buanya case, which then ruled that the law as it currently stands is is unconstitutional, talks about partners in a permanent life partnership where the partners have undertaken reciprocal duties of support. So I think it goes a lot more than someone that just comes over for the weekend or leaves a few clothes. I think those folks, they must have an intention to regard themselves as a permanent partnership. So although, and they may even want to be married in the fullness of time, like the Buanya case, but I don't think that's going to be a requirement. But uh, it must be such that people who know them would regard them as a couple. So I don't believe that cohabiting will be enough because the court talks about a permanent life partnership uh, where the partners have undertaken reciprocal duties of support. Uh, so, you know, in the Buanya case, uh, she and Mr. Ruch were living together. They had lived together for more than two years. They intended to get married. A lot of people regarded them as a, as a couple. They were going to start a business together. So I don't think it would be sufficient for someone to say, well, I live with someone on the weekend. You know, that would be quite drastic because when you think about it, people have the choice to get married or not. And there might be many good reasons why people don't want to get married to each other because they don't want to be saddled with the obligations and even the rights so-called of, of, of marriage. And they may have strenuous objections to being married. So for the law to come in and, and now to deem them to be a spouse is quite drastic. So I think the way that the law is going to unfold is it would be people that are living together and have committed their lives to to each other. 
Okay, I think, you know, that certainly helps to give us a little bit of color around that because, um, you know, once again, the definitions are very important. So we're now thinking about what the law actually is seeking to do, um, you know, giving recognition to people that are living together, um, in a permanent, um, in, in a permanent life partnership, um, reciprocal duties, all of those things that you've just spoken to us. On the ground, as ordinary South Africans, because um, I think one of the numbers that I noted from, uh, you know, the piece you had written is that there are 3.5 million uh, cohabiting South Africans, and that's no small number at all, right? Um, is this something, you know, because obviously the population is big uh, of people cohabiting in South Africa, but is this issue something that uh, ordinary South Africans actually want? Is this something that people are actually fighting for to say that, um, yes, I'm in a life partnership with XYZ person um, and I want to be recognized under the law and, you know, be able to uh, be entitled to, you know, some of these things um, in case of one of these eventualities? Yes, Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think it was uh, a lot easier to say yes, you know, when it came to the matter of uh, deeming uh, same-sex partners to be spouses, because at that stage they were not able to marry. In this case, it's, it's quite different. We're talking about heterosexual couples. Do South Africans want this? Look, the Constitutional Court, you know, when they make their decisions, they, they, they look at the Constitution. And as far as the Constitutional Court is concerned, and it was a majority judgment, so there were some, including our former Chief Justice, who had a dissenting judgment. Um, so it wasn't an open and shut case, said no. You know, this is what South Africans want, and it's unconstitutional in terms of our Constitution. You know, whether or not the majority of South Africans who are living together want this, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting because although you know Parliament has 18 months to change the law, it will go through a whole long discussion process, like the recognition of custody marriages amendment act. You know, it had to go to all sorts of groups, people were able to comment. So civil society and, and legal groups and legal rights groups, some of whom supported this particular uh, case, uh, people will have to weigh in. Uh, and 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 comment on whatever Parliament uh, does come up with, um, whether or not this is what people want. Uh, yeah, I've had mixed I've had mixed responses. You know, you you may well find that there are a lot of of women uh, possibly um, living in a relationship where they feel they don't have the power to actually make sure that the husband actually puts a will together and cares for them. Uh, you know, to, for example, if the, if the woman has given up her career to have children and is not working and is staying in the house and, and, and the husband, uh, I'm just giving an example here is working and suddenly dies. Well, not husband, the partner suddenly dies and hasn't made provision for them. You know, at the moment, it's, it's, it's impossible for that, uh, live-in partner to put in a claim, except, of course, for her children, uh, as the offspring of the, of, of, of the father. But I think the, the, the feeling was from the court and other groups that supported this, this action was that, uh, it is disempowering to, to mainly to women. But, you know, sometimes the shoe is on the other. Foot, you know, as we found with the recognition of custody marriages amendment act, which deems custody marriages to be in community of property, you know, one cannot just assume all the time that it's the woman doesn't have more assets and doesn't have the wealth. And I've already seen one or two estates come in 
well, this is maybe definitely not going to work to the advantage of the woman. But, you know, that's just how it is. You know, as you're talking, one of the things that's really coming to my mind now is um, if already there is a generation, and I'm speaking about my own generation for now, uh, because obviously out of the 3.5 million number that you that you stated, there's probably a broad range, um, you know, of age groups that are that are there. But specifically talking about you know my age group, um, you know, which is you know that uh, that you know 25 to 35 sort of bracket. Um, there's a lot of conversation that uh, people are having about. Um, the need um, to actually get married is it really necessary anymore is it a necessity is it a must um you know life partnership you know let's not put any labels on this thing let's not um you know go through all the admin you know let's just um let's just commit to each other in certain cases it's like in uh we'll, we'll do it seasonally um whatever words you're looking for and you know one just wonders if an amendment like this might feed into all that to say that um, in certain instances it reduces uh, perhaps the incentive for people to go through uh, the formalization of a relationship through something like signing a marriage certificate. That is such a good point. You know, it might well feed into that um, because then the the partner uh, in a what seed is a permanent relationship would have the comfort to know that. If my if my spouse, let's call him him or her spouse, doesn't do a will and dies intestate, I'm going to have a claim. If my partner dies and doesn't provide enough life insurance for me and 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 for me to sustain my standard of living, um, then you know I have a claim against the estate. Uh, of course, all those claims are dealt with um, by the executor of the estate. Some people then have to go to court. So it can be, uh, it may not be something that is easy to achieve. It would be better to to make sure that you at least have wills in place uh, and that you do your financial planning. But you're quite right. It could be seen as then as a disincentive to actually go through with the ceremony as such. Um, of course, the advantage uh, of going for, for many of going through with the ceremony, putting a ring on the finger, as it were, whether it's a civil marriage or customary marriage, is that if you don't do a prenup, an antinuptial contract, then you're automatically married in community of property, which means you get you get half of your of your partner's estate, but of course he also gets half of yours. So it can you know, work to the advantage of the poorer spouse, the one who has to stay at home. Uh, in this case, although you might be regarded as spouse in terms of the right to inherit and claim maintenance, bear in mind you don't have that same level of status. You still won't be regarded. It's a tricky one, but you won't actually be regarded as married. You'll be regarded as a as a spouse for the purposes of two acts, but you still won't be regarded as married. But maybe that's what people want. That you know they don't want that that label for some reason. Um, you know another thing, of course, I, I don't know in terms of the census data of the three uh, at the time. I think three point two million was the figure in twenty sixteen. So I'm sure it's grown by then. You know many of those people living together with someone may not be allowed to get married because they're actually already married and just living apart from someone else. And in terms of the law, you know you can't be married. You can't have two spouses in terms of civil law, but of course in customary law you can. So that's something I'm not sure has been thought out properly. I'm not sure how that's all going to work. Um, 
But uh, let's just keep it simple for now and think there's a, you know, a boy and a girl or, or, or two guys or two ladies living together. They love each other. They intend to stay together for forever or as long as it takes. Um, you know, then they're regarded as spouses for in the future in terms of these two acts. But they still won't be actually married as such. They could still go and do that if they wanted to, of course. I can imagine that this is going to be, you know, if the amendments do come through in the next year and a half as projected, I can imagine this is going to be quite an interesting area of law um, for legal experts to actually interpret, especially because of what you're highlighting now uh, to say that, you know, you've got these two acts that will sort of recognize one as a spouse, uh, but you know, according to I guess the you know all of the civil unions and all of that stuff, you're not married, you know. So it's going to be quite an interesting one, um, you know, to see play out over time. But one of the things I picked out, you know, that you mentioned is that uh, we keep talking about estates um, and wills and all of that. And I see that uh, use case. Uh, I think um, its utility makes sense, you know, to say that if uh, someone passes away and they're living with someone, you know, does the person that they were living with um, have a right to claim, you know, something, you know, from that estate? And I hear that. But in the world of the living, in outside of the world of um, estates and wills, etc., do you does this change have uh, practical implications just in the normal course of other parts of life, or has it, or is it primarily set uh, for those situations where you're trying to decide one's estate? Yeah, no, it's a very good question. I mean, obviously, we're all going to pass at some stage. But you're right. What does it mean for 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 the here and now? You know, at the moment, it's still the same if I'm living with someone and I wake up one morning and I decide that I'm not into this anymore. I can literally, I can walk out and the other party has no claim. There's no divorce as such because we're not married. So it is still easy come, easy go. Uh, and that, of course, can leave a lot of people in serious financial trouble, particularly if, they, if they're left with the with the children. And then they have to chase after the father for maintenance, which is unfortunately a common problem uh, in, in South Africa. So I would think, you know, it's still, it would be critical, I think, if, if people are living together to try and get together and say, well, let's just put together a domestic partnership agreement. Let's put an agreement together that if we do have to split for whatever reason, or you get offered a job in Siberia and you've got to go off and I'm, I want to stay here with my, with my in-laws or with my family, you know, then we, we agree we're going to split the house this way and the assets the other way. Because otherwise, there is no blueprint. You know, there's, it's a huge problem for people when they decide to, to split. Um, and as you say, you know, these, these acts are really only going to assist when it comes to a deceased estate. You know, some years ago, we had the Estate Duty Act was amended to regard uh, the living partner as a spouse for the purposes of getting the estate duty deduction. So we've had these sort of things creeping in. But it doesn't, it hasn't really made a, a, a massive change to people's daily living. Um, you know, they, they carry on as before, um, accumulating their own assets, buying things together as such. But the problem is that these relationships, like all marriages, you know, many marriages end up in divorce. And of course, many people who are living together, cohabiting, uh, will decide to split. And then, you know, there's no blueprint as to how you sort things out. 
Um, I think as we as we sort of round up this discussion, David, uh, you know, perhaps um, a nice way that we can close off is looking at, uh, you know, I guess the implications because uh, we've already spoken quite a bit about, you know, what um, all of this stuff is going to mean. And I think this last point that we're discussing now, what you are raising to say that, you know, people can split up, etc. Um, another piece that I'm now thinking about, once again, I'm not a legal expert, but I, but I can imagine that the lawmakers are probably going to have to make some type of a provision, um, uh, for a situation where if, for example, I'm with, uh, I decide that I'm in a long-term relationship with someone from the age of uh, 30 to 40. Then I'm with someone else between the ages of, let's say, uh, 40 to 50, right? If something happens, let's, let's stick to, let's stick to, you know, the state's discussion. If something was to happen, let's say, you know, in my late forties or something, you know, I can imagine that, you know, who knows, maybe the person I was with from 30 to 40 might come back and say, well, you know, dear partner, who's now in the picture for this man to get to where he was, you know, when you got, when he came into your life, it's because of the input that I have. Therefore, you know, I, you know, deserve some peace. I can imagine that one day, I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. <laughs> that's definitely not beyond the realms of possibility. You're absolutely, you know, correct. And, and whereas now a, a divorced spouse could come forward and say, look, I've got a court order for maintenance and this guy never paid. I'm putting in the claim now, you know, against his estate, even though we've been uh, divorced for some years uh, and I'm putting in a claim on behalf of my children, etc. But, you know, for the person uh, living in a life partnership, which has then already been terminated, you know, even if these rules do change, that person will still be left holding the baby, as it were. So, yeah, I mean, that might be something that'll that'll definitely going to come up. It's going to be very tricky, also for for executors of estates to figure out, well, was this a permanent life partnership, and what did the one bring, and what did the other bring? I mean, the Buanya case, you know, the Jane just brought the emotional side, and and the other, the gentleman brought all the money side. So there wasn't even. There's not like a a requirement that you need to have brought something tangible. Of course, the emotional support is critical as well. But, you know, if you've now helped someone get to, to the top and then they discarded you and moved on, as it were, well, you, you're still in a hopeless situation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, very interesting conversation. We were talking um, We were talking to David Thompson, uh, who is a senior legal advisor over at Sunlum Trust. Um, that's the business unit over at uh, Sunlum um, that is, uh, you know, they specialize in things like estates, things like wills, um, you know, just, you know, all of these questions, you know, that have to do, you know, with uh, the, the type of marriages that people have and all of that. And for today, we were talking about, you know, cohabiting uh, because there are two particular acts that are likely, um, you know, to get some amendments, you know, soon. Um, I think if I remember correctly, the two acts, it's the Interstate uh, Succession Act and then uh, the Maintenance of Surviving Spouses Act. And we're just debating what is it going to mean um, if uh, people that are cohabiting are recognized as spouses and all of the different questions um, that do come out of it. And 
um, it was really cool just hearing um, David giving the different type of scenarios because I'm sure he's speaking from experience uh, of many years of dealing with some of these issues and trying to apply that and project what it will mean um, if people that are cohabiting uh, are then recognized as spouses uh, for some of these things and also some of the other questions you know at what point you know how long does someone has to have to live uh, with someone for them to be recognized you know when these amendments do come into practice and also at the same time you know could you know someone who was there for a long time before come back uh, and make some type of a claim we simply wait to see uh, but it is a very important discussion and definitely one uh, that we will be continuing um, with uh, you know the likes of David very interesting one especially because uh, the last conversation we had was around customary marriages so just seeing that evolution um, in the world of life partnerships and where all of that is going David thank you so much for being with us today thank you Mudiwe this is Mudiwe's take Yet again, a very fascinating discussion with uh, David around um, the evolution of life partnerships in South Africa and the business slash economic um, consideration considerations thereof. One of the things I'm quite interested to see is that question that we discussed at the end about uh, are these acts going to make any um, concessions or provisions um, when it comes to people that have been together for a long time um, but perhaps broke up along the way because um, in a marriage situation right you do have people that you know you get married you get divorced etc and there are legal claims that you can have David used the example of perhaps their children and you file a claim against uh, an estate uh, for you know child maintenance that type of thing but beyond that right uh, what type of rights and responsibilities could um, cohabiting people get cohabiting partners get right because already um, if you are two people um, that are married there are a lot of you know situations and things that the um, that the lord you know already recognizes etc taking out loans together buying property all of that stuff right is there room to create that type of thing for people that are in uh, life partnerships or um, do people continue to work um, in their individual capacity and only uh, on passing or death do some of these things um, come into effect? Now, we definitely wait to see how all of that is going to evolve, uh, but it's, uh, it's going to be quite an interesting one uh, to see how those laws are going to be amended and the type of wording uh, that they are going to have. As we said, at the beginning um, life partnerships marriage etc definitely one of the biggest decisions from a business point of view that anyone ever makes in their life And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.